All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, for the first time, I'm meeting the the, the famous David Park, who has been blocking me on LinkedIn forever. He still doesn't receive, he still does not accept my connections. It's, I understand it, you know, it's kind of like the... We, we always have the no soliciting sign up. You're probably not even doing that on purpose. Or you blocked me years ago because I was harassing you for some reason. It happens. Well, well, I figured after you ditched me the first two times, uh, <laughs> Oh, that's so. what happened. See? See? I'm human. I'm, I'm only human. I ditched people. This is terrible. Now the truth is coming out. The truth is coming out. The There's so much to talk about. First of all, you loved computer-aided drafting growing up in in... High school. Why? What was and, and first of all, just for the the sake of a timeline, because I think we I do have on my in my notebook to talk to you about a specific timeline, uh, aka roadmap. But what was what did what was computer aided drafting? What did that what did CAD look like in your high school years? I lost your voice. I lost your techno. Wait, this is this is a technology show, by the way. Did I did I do something? Maybe I did something. No, I don't believe so. Okay, we're back after minor technical difficulties in technology. <laughs> uh, Zoom's had many updates lately that have screwed me up. I don't know about you. Screwed me up a little bit. Do you use Zoom a lot where you're at? Uh, no, we're mostly Teams here. Good, good. And we're on a Microsoft platform, LinkedIn anyways, so we can bash... Well, no, we shouldn't bash Zoom. They're close, they're close friends of mine, but I do feel five years from now, many people will be using Teams. Maybe we can figure out a way to all work together and live in happiness. You know, Google will still be around. Um, anywho, loved. I I, I kind of asked people how did you get out, how did you get started in technology? What was your first computer? You loved CAD. What did that look like back in the day? Talk to me about back in back in time. Yeah, so uh, CAD was in our shop room at the time. Um, so you walked in and you'd have half a dozen computers with those big. I don't know if you remember them, but big like 18 inch pads that had the uh each divided up into like four squares with buttons all around it or um not buttons but uh little icons all around the edges and you had to take a four button mouse and depending on which way you clicked on the mouse on the icon it would start the line or do whatever um no this is fascinating i never had that i wasn't that cool really i do oh. remember shop class we didn't have this in shop class so you guys actually like i remember shop class which was like pull out the book the paper book and find what you were going to make in that book and then it never really oh, came yeah. out like the way that it should have <laughs> should have, yeah yeah so i was actually surprised especially looking back how advanced that little high school was because it's just a little town in the middle of nowhere like a couple thousand people uh, at the time is probably even less now. Um, but for that size, it was actually pretty well um, advanced because we had like half a dozen computers and there was a pen plotter. Um, it literally picks up. What year was this? From, I, I don't mean to reveal uh, you, but what year was this? <laughs> 94 ish, 95. Okay, good. Okay, good. So can I take a guess at your age? Yeah. 43. 41. Oh, see? Close. And I'm not get and I'm just guessing based on the year in high school. I'm not I'm not guessed on based on what everyone cannot see right now via Zoom. <laughs> you can have you can have a guess in mind if that if that makes you feel better. Maybe I can reveal some of the the gray in my beard here. Mm, I'd guess about 40. 
Oh, thank you. See, you're you you guessed much. You you took a much more conservative approach. I'm 45, <laughs> uh, and I dye the beard, so that's probably another reason. Um, okay. So, anyways, advanced high school plotting. Can, how did he get that one? He he must have been good at asking for the budget. How did shop teacher get this? I have absolutely no idea. This is amazing. I was, uh, yeah, I was impressed. Okay, so what'd you build? Um, we drew various parts, um, like little um, angles or um, brackets for stuff to attach. Uh, we didn't actually build the parts that we drew in CAD. We just drew them. Um, the parts, uh, we had to go to actual shop class to do the, um, to actually build the parts. <laughs> Cool. I did actually, the one thing I did build in shop before that was uh, a battery terminal puller. Okay. I still have it around here somewhere. Oh, that's cool. I can oh. see in the background that you're a billiards fan. Yes, indeed. How long has that table been around? Uh, since we moved into this house, so about five years. Billiards took Six a, years. billiards didn't, it was one of the industries that did not take a hit during COVID, just FYI, everybody, it is doing very, very well during the pandemic. Go figure. Uh, makes sense. Um, so, all right. So we have, we have this CAD, CAD experience in high school. And for all of the, the people that listen to the show understand, understand what this means. They understand that age. Everyone can remember back. To, I can remember 95. Well, first of all, I graduated in 95. So, and I stayed back in first grade. So I probably should have graduated in 94. So everyone remembers the, like when the Pentium came out, everyone knows mm -hmm. loading windows with like win.exe. People know DV, like what a CD-ROM is and people mm -hmm. weren't able to write. You weren't able to write CDs and then eventually you could write on CDs and that was like this amazing thing in high speed dubbing stuff like this uh, people don't it, it's it, I could talk about this stuff um, for a long time but there was no back then you really were a nerd like you were like if you oh, yeah. did all this stuff you were like a real nerd now it's like a it's like a praise it's like a praiseworthy thing nowadays but back then it was like I hope so <laughs> didn't feel so back then I'll tell you <laughs> I was not the popular kid uh, I really was not believe it or not I really was not I walked down the hallways with my head down terrified um Yes, I was terrified of getting a wedgie. Still, I really was. I was. I remember this one kid got a wedgie, and it was just. It was an awful, awful thing. Um, <laughs> Why I'm going there right now? Yeah, no, like, I shouldn't have shotgun to that level. So. I shouldn't have shotgunned that uh, rock star earlier. It's on. It's for everyone to see on on LinkedIn. I did. I did. Uh, I really did do it. Um, so. It was so if you're in technology and you went through that era, it's it says a lot because you really believe in you 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 really you have a love for it. It's not like you chose technology because hey, this is a good idea. I'm going to make money in it. There was no there was no guarantee you were going to make money in this field back then. There was oh, no. there really was no guarantee. So if you're in it, like like you were really in it because you like it. So. Did you have any idea like this is how I'm going to build my career in, in technology? No, <laughs> honestly, uh, 
I did not. So, you know, I went through that. Um, I actually, so I, I did the cat stuff in high school and then, um, for reasons I still don't understand myself, I went to college for music education. Oh yeah. Uh, oh no, we all understand. We all understand that I was gonna be famous. I was gonna be a rock star. Yeah. I was good yeah. enough. You got it. Um, yeah. And, so and then I, someone I realized, tells you at some point you didn't have a father that was smart enough to tell you, like, son, you're not good enough. That's stupid. <laughs> no. <laughs> I had a father. No. Yeah, that was what my father did. I was like, I got a full ride. I have a scholarship. No. You're not doing it. I had my, and I, luckily I had an older brother that tried to do that and failed miserably. And then he went to Harvard and became a computer software engineer. So, there you go. anywho. All right. So you went to, we all know why you went to do that. Anyone can really, I mean, think, <laughs> I mean, come on. So anyways, go, I got to hear the rest yeah, of this story. So, yeah, I failed at that. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say failed. I just didn't, you know, it helps to go to class instead of play pool. Um, yeah, so I moved on to a, a drafting school. Um, so <laughs> Which, continuing back to CAD again. Fail forward. Yep, pretty much. And uh, then I got my job at the first engineering firm part-time while I was in school. Um, and then I actually never finished that degree. I just started working full-time eventually because they kept bugging me. Cool. Um, and that's really how I got started. And it just took it from there piece by piece. Uh, I really got into um, the process of it and the configuration because one of the things um, as CAD progresses in age, um, it gets more and more entwined with IT. Like it, um, people who manage uh, that software are usually part of an IT team or very closely um, knit with them because of all the things it entails and permissions and files and uh -huh. um, places you got to save files. So it, it, just kind of grew from there where I was, you know, a small shop and uh, we did a, uh, actually when I started there, speaking of old stuff, um, when I first started there, they had a Unix box okay. running an older CAD software mm -hmm. um, that we had to uh, retire. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so uh, yeah, I just did that. And then, um, as each job went on after that, became more and more um, into technology, um, better computers. Um, I really like the process part of it and, and understanding what, how companies need to use uh, the software or what they're trying to do with it and then figure out the best way for that to happen. Um, sometimes it's using the software as is intended and there's been a few times where it's um, just try something out of the box and it happens to work and you got to be able to experiment. Give me an example of that. Why would we do that? And I, and I ask from a very skeptical standpoint of in IT, we shouldn't make decisions, which is what I was going to get to, which is how do you make a roadmap? Sounds like a dumb question, but really, how do you how do you put together a good technology roadmap? So my skepticism around that would be, why would you ever try a product without knowing first the solution that you need to design? Uh, so it's not trying a product. It's using the product you have in a different way to achieve a result. Which isn't what we all do. So, Isn't that what your end users do? About. Don't you give your oh, end yes. users something? You give your end users something and they just, you're like, whoa, like, um, 
No, <laughs> but yes. There. Why did you do that? <laughs> well, because. Oh, okay. Huh, now I have insight into how humans work. Very scary. Very scary. <laughs> well, we should do a show that's just things end users do that shock the world. <laughs> okay. Oh, that would be hilarious if you had its own show. Writing that down. Things end users do that shock the world. Okay. Um, where were we? So, so <laughs> Using a, a product. So you talked okay. about creating a technology roadmap. Yes, yes. Um, and I guess um, I could think of a few different scenarios. You're just talking in general? Um, okay, so, you know, sometimes I just pick apart people's... Um, uh, I pick apart people's LinkedIn profile like a recruiter would do and not really like Phil Howard would do, which is thinking, how is, would this be valuable to other people listening to the show and what buzzwords is David just throwing out there into the ether? And one of them is, well, two things on here that really stand out. One, you have a highly, um, highly functioning form of autism, which I would have never guessed. And number two, and you can pick whichever one you want to talk about first, which is I'm developing a technology roadmap, which is one of those buzzwords that we throw out there. Why is that important? And and how should people go about it? And is there some kind of like strategy or process behind it? (laughs) So the strategy, um, a technology roadmap, is the path that you take uh, with a company's technology in order to achieve their overall business objectives. So you have to talk to your your leadership and figure out, okay, what is the company doing? Are they, for example, growth? Take growth as an example. Uh, they want to add 35 people in the next year. Uh, they want to add 100 people in the next two years. Um, in the next five years, they want to be you know 500 people, right? Well, technology investments are expensive enough and such that you want to uh, you know use it for as as long a time as you can to get your return on investment. So. I can't plan for, hey, we're going to have 35 people this year and just kind of be in that little myopic viewpoint and say, okay, that's all we need to address. We need to look three, four, five years down the road and say, okay, where are we going to be? Um, So that as you work towards that, the technology supports that growth. Um, Uh, Myopic. Please, please describe what you mean by that. (laughs) Sometimes we speak over... You know, again, sometimes when we speak to executive management, we need to speak in a way that is less, I don't know. Short-sighted? We should always speak at a fifth grade level, I'm told. I'm told we should write at a fifth grade level and we should speak at a fifth grade level, right? Because when we, when we, because... I'm, and I'm, I have a creative writing degree, so I can throw out all kinds of words, but then I've had people tell me, Phil, like, no, you, you need to write... At a fifth grade level, I'm like, okay. So I go through and I start crossing out words like myopic because you lost f- you lost 50% of the people in the room that were too afraid to say, I have no clue what that means. And they just nod their head and they're like, yeah, whoa, yeah. Yeah, seriously, dude. Fake it uh, till you make it. <laughs> um, and yet you are... Gr- 
99% of the way of explaining the most basic, keep it simple, stupid methodology around. Um, first, you need to talk to people. Then you need to find out what they want and they're trying to accomplish. And then you need to find the technology that is going to last the longest and perform the best to make something happen, which is those goals and aspirations and everything that they want to do. And I'm assuming somewhere there you might want to say, are you sure you want to do that? Or would it be better if we could do this? Or what if we could do this? Is there any of that that comes into play? Uh, Sure. Um, I try to... Uh. Sorry, you can tell that I have. If you have a high, a high level functioning autism, I have a very bad level functioning of like, uh, you know, OCD or jumping from mm-hmm. just topic to topic and and really not staying focused at all. At all. So uh, let's go back to myopic. What does that mean? Short sighted. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Ironic. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so back to the plan. Um, yep. Yep. So you, you take the, you'd ask about, you know, how you might ask them if we'll do this or we're better off doing that. Um, so I try, I've done it a few times, a couple of different ways. And uh, as long as the solution is cost effective, um, I try not to give them too many options because I'll present the best path that I think works for what they're trying to do. I may have a backup plan sort of ready in case they just cough up a lung at what I'm proposing to cost wise, mm-hmm. but I generally try not to give them more options than they need because then you have to, then you get into that like they get drug into the technical discussion of it because it's really easy for, at least in the industry I'm in, which is engineering. Uh, engineers like to get into the detail very quickly. And so you try and stay more broad scope. Wait a second. As much as you can. Are, are you saying you report to a bunch of engineers? Yes. Oh, oh, oh God. Is my fire alarm really going off right now? That's terrible. Hold on. Let's pause for a commercial break. <laughs> this is, I have kids. They burn stuff in the toaster oven. Well, they are good. You know, I can tell you what's going on right now, and I'm not even there. They have a broom and they're fanning. What is going on? And they are fanning the, the, um, one second. We're going to pause for a moment. I'm going to mark, I'm going to mark this level. I'm marking this area. Hold on. That's so real. Doesn't get realer than that. Um. Okay. Still going. Cool. Um. Okay. So you report. First. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were just censoring yourself. <laughs> uh, I found out that 
So I record off the board now to an SD card. I don't use Zoom recording anymore. And I found out the other day that when I hit mute on Zoom, I should have I should have known this, but the thought came to my mind, wait a second, every time I yell at my kids and I hit mute on Zoom, it's probably not muting my microphone because I'm not hitting mute off the soundboard. So there's like <laughs> 10 episodes out there of me screaming at my kids. <laughs> They're just like, I'm like, be quiet. I'm recording. And, and one of my, you know, and so someone actually was listening fairly in depth and was like, Hey, um, you know, um, did you mean to have like a, Hey, be quiet. I'm recording in the background. And I was like, Oh, that was a mild one. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so I did like a little poll the other day, like, should I edit like the last four, listen to like, you know, 40 hours of episodes and edit oh, out geez. screaming. Like, you know, I had to do like a, a survey and like 73% said, you know, no, like screw it. We'll laugh. And <laughs> like 29% had the audacity, audacity to say, yes, go back and edit this stuff. I'm like, oh, they must not have a life. You're done. Uh, <laughs> and here we are. Um, yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> all right. So you report to a bunch of engineers. Wait, mm-hmm. do you work for Columbia university? No. What are you for a civil engineering firm uh, oh. in the Minneapolis area? So there's just another David park. That's, that is, um, that I'm mixing you up with right now. Mm. Amazing. It's so I asked you a bunch of dumb questions. So you don't have a high form of autism. I do. No, I do. All right. So we do have that. So I'm just mixing up all my notes. So this is so loud and disturbing. What is wrong with my kids? So the, um, okay. So you report to a bunch of engineers. So the autism helps, I'm assuming there. Uh, yes and no. It, it depends. The so a lot of the engineers then might give you like arrogant stares. Do you ever get arrogant stares and questions and get like grilled? Once in a while, yeah. Okay, and I don't mean that in a way. I I come from a family of um, highly functioning engineers. <laughs> <laughs> like no tunnel vision. Like I'm only set on one thing. Type of. A, do you find ten? Is this true or false? Um, many engineers have um, kind of like a tunnel vision solution and can't step out of the box and empathize with other human beings. I would say there's a higher tendency than other professions. I've had engineers tell me I had to learn empathy. I had to learn how to listen to other people. Yeah, when it comes to the, certainly when it comes to the engineering part and the design part, like they've got the concept of what they want and um, it's hard to convince them otherwise sometimes. Okay, so this is great advice. If you work for an engineering firm, firm, if you are in in a head of technology and you need to go to the round executive round table where a bunch of engineers sit and you need to propose a solution, go with one. Yes. It's great advice. Otherwise it's discussion ad nauseum. I've had also before a firm of IT people, I've had this happen on more than one occasion, implementing a new technology, which is also very similar to that. I don't know if you've ever had like a, like not just one of you, but 20 of you going through an implementation of a new product and really, I mean, down to the details. So think of how a, a, nor, a normal, like, let's just take a, I don't know, uh, Microsoft Teams implementation. Are you guys on yeah. Teams for voice yet? 
No. And okay. We'll come back to that. Okay. Well, let's just say we're doing that as an example, and we've got a little minor call center that's thrown into the mix at the same time, which throws like a nice little thing into it. And we've got 20 IT directors that are not really IT directors anymore. They used to be IT directors, but now they're running an MSP, and they're implementing this new call center slash teams for their own MSP. You better believe they're going to make sure every single detail down to the minute little thing of this technology is taken into consideration before they go live date. Whereas if you did that for any other normal company, they wouldn't even think about 90% of the things that are happening. So you work for a bunch of engineers, you have a technology roadmap, and you are very um, good at bringing one solution to the table. Talk to me about, if you'd like, the highly functioning autism. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, Yeah, so that um, earlier on in my career, I would say, uh, looking back, it definitely, I can see where it had posed me problems. Uh, Just partially because, honestly, I didn't realize it until I was 30... About 30, actually. Um, my wife knew long before I did, but I didn't realize until I was about 30. Um, so there were some situations at work where uh, it definitely caused me some some issues. Uh, but after uh, learning that I, that I have it um, and learning to recognize, um, you know, when you start to go down some of those rabbit holes um, with, uh, you know, interacting with people and... Um, it, it becomes a lot easier to manage. Um, like you said, you wouldn't have even noticed. Um, it's taken a lot of work. <laughs> um, and uh, it takes a lot more energy for me um, to, uh, I guess, if I have a regular work day, I guess I'd say. Um, so I have trouble. So the saying goes that you've met one person with autism, then you've met that one person with autism. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's, I have trouble interpreting um, body language. Okay. Recognizing some of that at times. Um, I have trouble um, catching um, some things like sarcasm once in a while. It'll catch me. Like, how do I put this? So, somebody will, I shouldn't say sarcasm, stating the obvious. So, Someone will will be talking about something, um, and I'll make an obvious statement about that, like typically something that would just go unsaid. Um, mm, I love it. I, love I usually it. have to. I They're usually like, Thank have you. to play it off as yeah, exactly. That's what I get. <laughs> so what I've learned to do is play it off as extremely dry sarcasm, <laughs> because then I'm funny and, and not weird. And I, <laughs> I love it, dude. I so, love it. It's like, <laughs> and that's why sarcasm is a behavioral derailer on page twenty-seven in the Starbucks manual, where I'm not. I got dinged on my employee review years ago. Twenty. Two decades. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. I should probably get myself tested. There's definitely <laughs> so some... Go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, Phil, um, you should. <laughs> yeah, you, you should, Phil. Go right now. Take another break. No. All right. Um, so it, I guess that's probably... And it takes me a little longer to uh, process things. 
So how many people are living with this and don't know? And don't know. Um, I guess I'm not sure about the don't know, uh, but I, the uh, rough estimate I think is it's about 25% of people um, do have it, but I don't know what percent of that don't realize it. Uh, but that's the general estimation. You put it on your profile for a reason. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Or you put it, you, you made it a point to say something. So, yep. um, um, because it's, uh, I think it's important for people to understand that um, you can be successful with it, that it's not um, one of the things you come across, quite frankly, um, is ignorance about it and people joking about things. Um, and uh, so I, I like to bring a light to it so that there's um, less ignorance mm. that, you know, you don't make jokes about, oh, you're autistic. Well, it's, there's no choice in whether or not you have autism mm. and it's people with it can be very successful. It's just a matter of learning strategies and how to deal with situations. Um, and the, um, my daughter had a hard time, uh, like first through third grade, like really hard time, um, being made fun of in school. And the, even the teachers, like even the teachers would kind of like, would like gang up on her and in a way that mm, I just, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know why. I mean, I think I do know why, but regardless, I don't know if you were like any, if you remember any experiences in school growing up where you were like framed in other words, like there's like the kid in class that like the teacher loved that was like the goody two shoes, but was really like the evil kid that like did everything. And then like would like turn around and laugh and point at you and like frame you with different things. You know what I mean? Like this is what was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this kid framed my daughter one day and like set her up and she ended up getting in trouble with the teacher. It was like, this big deal. I had to go to like the principal's office and had to have a note she had to br- bring home and had to get signed by her parent with like, you know, know, basically it was that. And her, she was riding home from school and Ben, who was her friend's brother, um, with maybe not a high level of functioning autism, was sitting next to her on the bus. And he's like, let me see the letter. And he, he, he takes the letter out like very carefully like unseals like the letter somehow in this like, you know, very like neat manner, opens up the letter and forges, (laughs) forges like the parent's signature for her, covers up like, you know, covers up something and like gives her like, you know, some other note and like gives her a sticker. And my daughter has since then become like a, really really good writer and I was like that's just that would just be like such an excellent excellent short story and uh, it showed such a high level of like care and like love and empathy for like another human being Um, I don't know I'm just sharing it because that's like my one like experience with Mm -hmm. my daughter and someone taking care of her and then um, you wanting to share with the rest of the audience um, 
you know, your experience in, in this level. And uh, so thank you. As far as giving back to um, IT level community, the what has been the one of the biggest aha moments for you or learning experiences that's helped you throughout your career? So, um, ironically, it was about the same time that I figured out I had autism, but it was a implementation of a new system at one of my previous employers. So it's very big. It's a data management system, um, engineering specific. I won't get into the details, but um, it's a big project. I worked like 80 hours, 80 hours a week on it for about six months to get it ready and get it in place. Um, something I don't will ever never do again, but I was young and dumb. Um, so uh, getting that in place. Just, uh, just hold on. Right. Yeah. Okay. So for all the people out there that are about to do that or in the middle of doing that, mm, <laughs> why, <laughs> why will you never do it again? And what did you do? I guess, what did you do wrong that got you all wrapped up into this insanity? Uh, so I won't ever work 80 hours a week again to get something like that done. So that was, that's the first part. But part of what I, I didn't do that I wish I would change was um, get more or be more in front of senior leadership. So I was reporting, you know, stuff to, uh, I was a cab manager at that point. So I was re- reporting stuff to the director of IT and thought that, you know, he was pushing that forward, you know, showing leadership, you know, talking about that because that was what he was supposed to be doing. Um, uh, Coming to find out that really that wasn't happening. And so I was putting in all this work, all this effort and, um, you know, having conversations with people in the different engineering engineering departments to put the thing together. Um, But there was one particular person who had something who didn't like the system didn't like me in particular, this person's voice got heard, not mine. And it wasn't until after the fact, after the whole thing came, you know, system was put in place that I uh, even realized that because mm. I was so focused on getting the work done. I didn't pull my head out of it long enough to uh, look around and make sure that the leadership was aware of everything going on. And I don't say stakeholder buy-in, but kind of that stakeholder buy-in piece. Um, it's setting expectations. It's a great story because I think there's a lot of people. Someone made me privy to a, that's not fifth grade language. Someone made me aware. Someone made me aware of a, maybe it was a Slack group or something the other day of IT burnout that is common. IT guys getting overworked working 80 hours, working the help desk, whatever it is, burning out, and then just like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds similar. Mm-hmm. Sounds like some people could get caught up. Sounds like maybe a manager could maybe over-delegate a little bit too much or use people to get stuff done. Um, but the golden piece of advice there is to communicate with upper management and stay connected with... Absolutely. How do you do that? Well, how would you do that? So for someone that's uh, like, oh man, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I'm just the worker bee. I'm doing all this work. The, it's cool. What? Yeah. At the very least, it would be an email with some sort of just short page long update about what's going on 
knowing what you've been working on, how the project's going. Just very brief. But what if that's just going to your IT director like you were doing back in the day? Uh, I just go around him. <laughs> okay. Include him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Include him. I mean, that way he knows you're doing it. He's aware of it, but include him. Just yeah. say, hey, oh, I was just emailing you know, upper management so they knew. Yeah. Um, or a brief phone call. I mean, phone calls, I think, are a little more difficult for people to do, a little more um, scary because you, you never know what the direct feedback is going to be or questions you're going to get. But um, wow, interesting. it's pretty simple. Um, I would definitely say, but I would say, but phone call is an easier way to avoid maybe, why the hell did you send him an email? Because an email is documented. Yes. Whereas a phone yeah. call might be a little bit more it might take a little more guts. It might take uh, what we call stepping out of your comfort zone, which I think is good. Yes, um, I think it depends. How on, about physically walking to someone's office and knocking on their door? Yeah. Even crazier. I know. Now you're just—that's just crazy talk. <laughs> the, Communication is the single biggest problem in business today, which is At kind least of internally. Uh, company. Which is kind of interesting things. considering just about all of technology involves communication. It's hilarious. Hmm. Oh, this is very valuable. So it really depends on the type of um, supervisor or I guess IT director you have and the particular you know, owner, president, you know, CEO, whatever it is. Um, hopefully you can get a, a feel for you know, what the right path is there, but it, it at that time for me an email probably would have been better um because my it director really wouldn't have cared there's not you know he didn't get all caught up in that sort of hierarchy he didn't go through me but i could definitely see how in you know a more corporate developed hierarchy where either walking down and talking to him or giving him a phone call is probably a better idea um if you have the guts um so for sure I, I did want to come back to one point because we go talked about it briefly because you asked about teams and whether we were on it. Oh, yes. Um, and that, the, vo- that the, plays, the voice. Yes. That plays directly into having a roadmap. So I've been here for a little over two and a half years in uh-huh. this position. Um, when I first, about six months before I started at the company, um, they had an IT consultant they were using who had got them off of an ancient on-premise voice IP system to Okay. Then right as I started, like right about the same time I started. I'm trying to avoid all my person. I'm trying to avoid Uh, every, go ahead, go, go, go. About five or six months after um, that, about the time I started, they implemented Office 365 and got rid of their exchange server and went, you know, introduced teams and all that. Perfect example of technology roadmap issues overlaps missing the boat years of waiting and the worst part is they signed a five-year contract oh my god so (laughs) yeah if i go blank if i go blank uh where is my where did i just print up oh my lord oh my lordy that is the importance of a roadmap, so you don't do that. Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, here's my article. 
Let me pull up my article on mid-writing. There's definitely something in here that addresses some piece of this. I'm... Uh, the, the worst part about that Ring, Ring Central contract is not actually the length. It's the fact that once you added a line, it was there until the end of the contract. No matter what you started with, it was there till the end of the contract. So if you started with like, say, 100 lines at the beginning, and then, I don't know, say a pandemic happens, and you go from 130 to 110, you still have to pay for the 130 because you added it. And it's there till the length of the contract ends. Did you... You didn't read my the, the problem section of my profile on LinkedIn by any chance. Did you happen to possibly listen and read that? Um, you tell me if this is accurate. Um, I'm trying to find it in this recent article um, that I'm in the midst of going to have someone edit for fifth grade language. Um, <clears throat> oh my gosh, where is it? I'm dying. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll go over here. On your LinkedIn profile. I still don't know why I can't find you, but here we go. I accepted your invitation, by the way. But. Oh, beautiful. Um, hmm. Okay. The problem. You tell me this. Tell me this. Tell me this. This, is, this sounds. If this sounds accurate. Technology vendors, telecom carriers, telecom, telecom carriers, internet providers, and companies delivering applications. Deep breath are constantly changing within a volatile marketplace characterized by an unstable mix of mergers, acquisitions, and bankruptcies. And vendors and providers often fall short in supporting their customers. And a direct salesperson typically occupies their position for less than two years, which means your contract will outlive any personalized support. And numbers don't lie. Carriers focus their efforts into selling and getting you into billing status. Their goals are to show growth, appease investors, and sell the company for a profit. And further, the average carrier contract lacks flexibility mm-hmm. or bottom line accountability. And many companies are stuck paying high prices for old products and receive unexpected bill increases and making a bad situation worse. Any toll-free numbers or physical bodies. Butts in the seat, AKA. I just added that in. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm flowing now. Uh, pr- providing you support, lack response time, professional training, and or inability to complete a simple change request. We call those Mac attacks. Move ad change. Um, that's just, that's not even the tip of the iceberg. That's not even the tip of the iceberg. Someone should be ashamed. They should not be sleeping at night for a five-year contract. A five-year agreement? The audacity. Obama. No, okay. There are ways around this. There's are there are ways around this. But um, yes. Oh my lordy lord. We even we even tried to get out of it using the pandemic as an act of God because that was in the contract. Oh, and, uh, force majeure, force majeure. Yep. That's yep. probably uh, page three, um, line thirty-two point BC. Mm-hmm. Um, heck, and, uh, we, no, we were buddy. Assured by our lawyers and their lawyers, both that we were not going to be able to get out using that. 
are your lawyers FCC professionals trained? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you better believe. Um, by the way, is a valued partner of mine. I am not bashing them. I'm just saying, like, I help people make the right, you know, agnostic, you know, decision yeah, my, for whatever my provider. It's more with the length of the contract followed by the fact that they input a technology that could have very well done yes. the same job. It's not their fault. Good for them. No, correct. Good for them. You know, but sorry for you. The okay, I'm dealing with the with the aftermath. <laughs> the um, uh, let me ask you a question: How many end users? How many? How many? We would call them seats in the UCAS space. How many seats? We have 108 now. Well, Times at least 25 bucks, buddy. Yep. At least. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. Wow, 108. Good for them. Per line, man, three grand a month. Yep. Plus, um, here's the secret. Here's a little secret. Conference rooms. Yeah. Oh, Zoom secret. rooms. Oh, here's a little secret. It's called, um, and this is for all those people that would also be dumb enough to go directly to Microsoft and pay twelve dollars for access to the PSTN plus $8 for your phone system license plus $12 if you need to make international calling at 30 bucks a pop. Don't do that. No. It's called direct routing and you don't have to do all that PowerShell nastiness either. You can just actually use a software and flip the switch, pay 25 cents per DID and do the old call path model. We used to call them PRIs back in the day, T1 CAS prior to that, fractionalized T1s, analog lines. Pay for the call path at 20 bucks. And in your case, that would be, are there more than 20 people on the phone and you're building at one time? I'm totally using this as a as a self. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, you could use 20. I mean, that's probably. All right. 20 times 20. 400 bucks. $100 times 25 cents, $25 plus 25. Let's add E91 on, let's say, I don't know, 800 bucks for E911, just because they're going to force us, the FCC is going to force you to have that for every single person per line because they might be working from home or driving around in their car, at which point if they dial 911, it wouldn't even go to the right place anyways, but we're going to force you to pay that. $1,225 a month versus whatever the heck you're paying right now plus taxes. Yeah, it was over it's over three grand. Yeah. That's that's how listening to dissecting popular IT nerds helps you if you got all the way through 46 minutes into this insanity. <laughs> after kids get yelling and I don't know, the bath running upstairs and little babies and all this other stuff in the background. If you made it to this point, if you made it here, you it just all you did was really want to probably poke yourself in the eye with a pencil because you're on a five-year agreement or three-year typical. Let's just be honest. Most of them are 36 months, which is still painful enough. Yeah. Painful. Well, thank you for that. That was, that was the highlight of my, that was the highlight of my day. Um, let's see. Okay. Okay. So no, but here's the real point. The real point is you make it about the roadmap, you make it about the company, you make it about your end users, you make it about the goals that you're trying to accomplish. What are you trying to do with the technology that you're putting in place? And first of all, what are you trying to do? Then you do a needs assessment. Then you pick apart everyone. Then you ask them what they want and what they need. And then you find out that the, the 
company that you might have almost bought that you got sold on by a bunch of guys in suits and ties that came in and sat around the table and told you about Gartner Magic Quadrant and <laughs> Frost and Sullivan and and all these other things that don't talk about what's going to happen after you sign on the dotted line and it goes to procurement or butts in the seat project managers that don't have time to take your calls in between their scheduled call with you. The technology roadmap instead says, what do we need and now who has it and what's the best way to pigeonhole those people into giving us the best deal and how can we use economies of scale to purchase a product which forces them to give us certain things and where's the number one telecom lawyer that can give me all these T's and C's that can say things like, I need an out of contract. If I need, if we move, I need a business down business downturn. Here's what would have helped in that situation. Also the, the everyone out there listening again, if you've made it to this point, ask for a business downturn addendum, which means that you can scale your contract up or down, say 40%. We got hit by the pandemic. Everyone's working from home. Uh, we need to turn down 40% of our users. That would have helped, maybe. It would have been extremely helpful. Also, every time you make a, have a Mac attack, hey, by the way, HR just called. We need to add on 20 new users by uh, Monday. And can you get me this? Every time you add on new services, it doesn't renew your contract or make those 20 additional seats go another five years, which is insane. How can people do that? There should be a, there should be a law against that. There probably is. It probably is somewhere. And the, uh, my favorite, and I just, I was looking at it again the other day. My favorite part of that contract is the auto renew. Oh yeah. And if you don't give us writing via, via faxed to this particular number within the hours of uh, one to three o'clock in the morning, 60 days prior to your contract being up and it's not signed and sent back to you via certified mail, (laughs) uh, we are going to auto renew for five years. (laughs) It's at least a year. No one does that. I, I have seen it happen. I've seen it happen. It's wild. Um, love my love my friends over. I just want to say, hey guys, yep. love you. Worked with you in a past life at a Cisco startup. It was called C Beyond. Um, if everyone remembers that, we were selling uh, Cisco IEDs with uh, dynamic allocation and selling it like it was the Star Wars project. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, it was great. Half of them went to um, a third of them. Someone went to Comcast. I mean, hey, you could be, I'm not going to say it. Um, you could be with someone else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. No yeah, one's going to yeah. listen to 50 minutes of this, especially no, no telecom guy. They're not. They're out, they're out selling. Um, oh, that really was um, the true benefits of a, of a technology roadmap. So um, the cool thing is you do want to go to Teams. You are just handcuffed. Mm-hmm. Handcuffed. Yep, we got about two, two years. Oh wow, two years left on it. I think at this point, we're hmm. in the downhill slide. We can probably strategize a way around that. Let's figure out a way. Yeah, you, you're like I've already tried. <laughs> we, 
we've yeah, sent people there's... fish wrapped up in newspapers. We've sent, <laughs> we've delivered them. Uh, uh, cut off. <laughs> you know, it hasn't worked yet. We've offered deals. They couldn't receive, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't uh, renew. <laughs> No, I, I, yeah, I think what we might actually do is, um, and I have doubts as to whether or not this is even worth it, but we are potentially, um, if we go above that current 108, because uh-huh. we're right now we're just below it. Um, we're still adding back some staff, so yeah. we're just below it, but we may actually just add a second um, carrier in if we don't want to add any more lines to that contract that we can't take back. Oh, map the extensions um, and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. It's pretty easy. Yeah, we're just, we're, that's one thing I'm considering is how we want to do that. Mm. And this but is how we end up with, you know, patched together. None. This is how that's we end up. why I don't want to do it. This is the definition of silo. Yeah. This, <laughs> it's I had also to the reason I'm not going to, do calls to teams for the other new lines because I don't need the first hundred people saying, "Hey, wait, they could do calls to teams. Why can't I?" Well, <laughs> you, well you can <laughs> at a price. Um, yeah, I had my my son-in-law's an engineer, and uh, he's like, "What's a silo?" Everyone's talking about silos. I'm like, oh, he's like, oh, and I explained it to him. Like, I had to give up a picture of like silos, grain silos, because English is not his first language. He's like, oh. Oh, now I know. I was like, it's that thing in the in the company where it like kind of exists in its own environment, and everyone has to kind of like you know work around it, and you have to play it all these different things and kind of manage things. Especially, he's like, I get it. And then I sent him a picture of some grain silos, and now when we're traveling somewhere, he's like, look, a silo. <laughs> <laughs> Here lies the silo. Next to it is a shorter team's voice silo. And next to that is something called E, I don't know, E3. Are you on E3 at least? Not yet. We're getting there. This is the Business 365 Premium Silo. And yeah, um, this is the uh, AS400 IBM silo. Oh God, don't. No, you had to bring up the... (laughs) Just trying to, I'm just bragging now at this point. It has been (laughs) an app, you know, how many people, right? Like how many like dudes that just pretend to know about technology can pretend this well, right? That's that's what I do. Um, Oh, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> I'm a I'm a highly functioning um, creative writer that somehow made it <laughs> into technology. To be told, you write good emails. Don't write them. Stop writing emails. You write very good emails, but you need to not click send next time, and you need to have send all of them to me first. I will read them. And you know what it is? What it is is it's it's all those emails that I send to the operations departments to the people that aren't answering questions or helping you, you know, you said, you said it was an, an out of the box API. It's not even existent. It doesn't even exist. I know. Why'd you buy that thing? Anywho, don't send that email, Uh, Phil. Don't send that email. They're all going to hate us. Um, I I have learned that, in those situations where you want to respond with email the fastest and the most vehemently or the time that you need to 
wait till the morning. Yes. I'm going to set up a service. We need an app for that. (laughs) I want to make an app for that anger app, (laughs) anger email. We're going to re it's like, it's like the, uh, the translator. Remember the like key and peel, the Obama translator. I don't know if you've ever seen that (laughs) skit. (laughs) It's like the, it's the, the, you know, the, like the, uh, the translator. Well, anyways, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for sharing your, your, pre-technology roadmap stories and Mm -hmm. post-technology roadmap um, successes and or why, how to avoid, how to avoid. So, you know, there's pre and post, pre and post, um, pre and post pandemic and there's pre and post technology roadmap. And for everyone out there listening, seriously, um, you need, you need to put together the technology roadmap. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Have a great day.